0: If you can go into an environment that is uncertain with those things, that curiosity, that exploration, and that experimentation, I think you go much further towards creating opportunities.
1: Welcome to On the Edge, a podcast about making unexpected connections everywhere and anywhere. My name is Roland Harwood, and in each episode, we talk with somebody who's making sense of our increasingly connected world. In this conversation, I connected with Helen Tupper, who is the co founder and CEO of Amazing If, an award winning career development company with a mission to make work better for everyone. She's the co author of the Sunday Times number one business bestseller, The Squiggly Career and host of the very popular careers podcast, Squiggly Careers. She also works as a trustee for Working Families, a UK charity, and prior to Amazing If, she held leadership roles for Microsoft, Virgin and BP. I first met Helen 12 years ago, and we've gone on to collaborate a number of times over the years, and I've always really enjoyed her energy and enthusiasm. And it's great to see how she's gone on to thrive in her own squiggly career since then. We spoke on the first working day of 2021, and I was particularly interested to explore how careers are changing, in particular as a result of COVID. So I started out by asking her how the future of work has changed since she wrote her book 12 months ago. Enjoy! 2020
0: turned out to be probably... A far squigglier year than most people expected in their career. So I think it was sort of unfortunately really well well timed for a lot of people. The thing that's really struck us with the book is how it's taken off with people that we don't know. And you know, I got I got an email this morning from someone in Australia, uh and they're like, "Oh, you know, I I found your book here." And I'm like, "How did you find it there? <laughs> I don't know how you found it there, but it reaching people that we don't know is is like a really powerful thing and hearing from people that, you know, that it's really helped them and that even just the concept of squiggly, you know, I think some people might not have read the whole book, but there's something in the idea that it's okay to have a squiggly career that seems to have resonated with people because they maybe felt like they had to hide it before or pretend that it had been something else because they thought that the squiggly was bad and it's given them almost like a way to say my career is squiggly and that that's okay. And I don't know exactly where I want to go yet. And that's okay too.
1: And I was interested in one of your recent podcasts. You were saying to your business partner, Sarah, that you don't identify with the term entrepreneur to describe the current phase of your squiggly career. I was just kind of curious why that was
0: I think the idea of being an entrepreneur it sounds so intentional you know I am an entrepreneur I started a business with the intent of scaling it and growing it and all those great things and and that's brilliant but it's not what I identify with I identify with helping people to learn and grow and be their best at work and I identified with that when I worked in corporate life and I identify with it now it is my job I don't know, that badge, it just doesn't sit with me very well. And I think there's so much stuff about, you know, entrepreneurs that, I don't know, they raise raise millions and they get up at this time in the morning and this whole identity around what it is to be an entrepreneur – but my, that's just not what I want my identity to be around. My identity is about helping people to be best at work. And whether that means I work for myself or I work for someone else to do that in the future, I don't I don't really mind. I just want to do that as well as I can.
1: You've you've worked for some very large companies, but you're now working in a, your own venture. How, how have you found that transition?
0: I've never really reflected on it that much before, but... When I was at school, I was not a model student aged sort of 15 to 16. I had to do quite a lot of different topics, as you do at that age. And I didn't love all of them. and I didn't excel at all of them. But then as I got a bit more choice and control over what I was studying and learning. So you know, your A levels, you go down from like eleven subjects to three. And then when you go from, you know, you know, A levels to university, you go down from three subjects to this one thing you want to focus on, I got better and better. And so I went from a pretty rebellious student, Roland, we'll we'll leave that there. We don't need to delve into it, but I went from being quite a rebellious student to being like Golden Girl. And I actually liken that to what happened for me. In moving from corporate life to now running my own business, because in corporate life, I wouldn't say I was a rebel that was getting in trouble, but I was doing a lot of things that I didn't love. You know, I was in a lot of meetings that I sat there and thought, "Do I really need to be here? Am I really adding a lot of value? Maybe I'm being a bit uh, objectionable just because I'm a bit bored. I don't know." But I wasn't, I wasn't at my best all the time. And now I spend. But nearly all of my time doing this thing that I really, really love. And I think as a result, I've kind of gone through that same transition of, you know, the the GCSE to A-level to university. I've gone from actually now all of my time and all of my effort and all of my energy is on the thing that I'm really, really passionate about. And it's not to say I think I should have done it sooner because I've used so much of what I learned in that other environment. But I do love it now. And I am, you know, if what I am is an entrepreneur, then I'm loving being it. It's just not a badge that I really attached myself to.
1: So what about, you know, by 2030 or 2040, half the US workforce will be freelance? I've seen wildly varying statistics around that stuff. So I'm not entirely sure what to believe. Are you focusing in particular on those people or is it as much focused on those in established institutions and organisations and corporations like the ones that you used to work for?
0: Well, it is a bit of both. That sounds a bit like I'm sat on the fence. I think I'm probably most passionate about helping people to be their best within organisations. And and the reason is because I think it's a great shame if people think that the only way that they can be their best is if they work for themselves. Because if I look at the organisations that I've worked for, like large, big businesses, Microsoft, Virgin, BP, Procter & Gamble, If I think that the people in those organisations think they can only be their best by leaving them, I really worry. Those those organisations have huge reach and impact and scale and I want people to be at their best within those companies. So that means what we need to really do is help people to squiggle and stay. Not squiggle and leave, but to be within those organisations and have a squiggly career within those businesses. And that doesn't mean they can't leave. Of course they can, but that not to be the only way of getting the variety and the learning and you know a career as individual as they are I would love for more organizations to be able to offer that to people within within the business.
1: It's interesting because I think where I am now which is having built up a community of about 120 people who are probably 70-80% of them are kind of freelance individuals of one form or another and the other 20-30% are affiliated to varying degrees with organizations who are sort of craving a bit of community, some peer learning, mutual opportunity generation. So maybe coming at that sort of squiggly career kind of zone that you described, but maybe coming from the other direction as well. So obviously the kind of elephant in the room early 2021 as we're speaking is kind of COVID. How has that changed what you've written about in your book? So
0: maybe if I pick apart two themes that were in the book that we wrote about uh, before Covid happened that I think have probably accelerated as a result of Covid. The first was the uncertainty that is in work and the second is people seeking work as individual as they are. Pre-Covid, work was already uncertain. There was already a lot of change um, in organisations restructuring and the idea that we were going to need to keep reskilling that was that was already happening before before covid but what's happened is that uncertainty and that rate of change has accelerated maybe people that thought they had a safe career before and that that uncertainty was someone else's problem are now suddenly going oh i'm not so sure now that my job feels secure and safe and i'm not so sure now what this organisation that was doing really well is going to look like in 12 months time so the idea that uncertainty is there for everybody and that we have to find ways to navigate that uncertainty and stop trying to fix ourselves to a future that we can't predict or plan for, I think is a very important thing. And, you know, you get into what I talk about, which is Career plans, for example, not very helpful. In a world that is uncertain and has become even more uncertain, career plans do not help people. They are far too rigid. So some of the themes we talk about in the book about career possibilities and the fact that we should be exploring our possibilities and getting curious about our career, they just become more important. So that's kind of one thing. And then and the other is then careers as individual as we are. So we talk a lot about this shift from the staircase ladder-like career to one that is more squiggly and in that staircase ladder-like world there was quite a lot of career conformity you know i'm going to i'm going to pick i'm going to pick a discipline i'm going to pick a company i'm going to get better at it and work my way up that ladder and in doing so my career is probably going to look quite similar to lots of other people who've taken that same that same approach but for various reasons People don't want that anymore. They don't want to be sort of lemmings climbing a ladder. They want want careers as individual as they are, which is brilliant. They just need some some help to navigate that. I think what COVID has done Is it has created a bit more time for reflection. So, some people were already there and they were going, Do you know what? I want to use my values at work and I want to use my strengths and I want to apply that. And some people hadn't got there yet, but they probably spent nine months at home staring at a computer, asking themselves, If my work has boiled down to this, is this really what I want? And even though we'll hopefully go back to some hybrid evolved model of whatever it is we're all doing at the moment, the crux of it is this the work I want to do? Is this how I want to be my best at work? I think it has created more space for people to ask those questions. And so that that idea, and people seeking work as individual as they are, I think that has also increased as people have just taken a moment to reflect on that, because they've seen their work without all of the attractions and distractions of The office and commuting and being with people it's become quite binary and black and white and transactional and I think that makes people weigh it up in a slightly different way.
1: I guess it's forcing people to think more broadly whether by accident or by design. So what about you personally what do you want to keep perhaps from your 2020 work life and what do you want to let go of?
0: So 2020 has been a revelation for me in terms of (laughs) I don't know really like Exercise and
1: oh, I heard about honestly, this. Yeah, so yeah, it's
0: amazing. I Peloton. yeah, my Peloton addiction. <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm 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 on a mission to get one of the Peloton instructions. Yeah, so I didn't do I didn't do any exercise. I'm not like a person that identifies with like being fit or anything like that. I just happened to get a Peloton early next year, early last year, sorry, before for all things COVID, and I absolutely love it. And it has been so helpful for me in having boundaries in. Feeling a sense of achievement outside of my work. So one of my values is achievement, and when what I have learned in my career is when the only way I can fulfil that value is through my work, I can get quite robotic because I I want more and more achievement, and I get very very fixed on my work being the thing that gives me that thing. But when I get it in other other places in my life, like so for example my fitness, I don't have to focus so much on work, which is probably quite a healthy thing. So yeah, I want to keep. The balance that exercise and my Peloton bike has brought into my life... And then what do I want to get rid of? Boredom. So yeah, so I'll keep balance and I'll get rid of boredom. And the boredom bit in particular, because obviously we've lost quite a lot of variety, there've been times in the evening where I have felt myself feeling a bit what like un-Helen, as in I've sat on the sofa and gone, I guess I'll just look at my phone or I'll just watch another programme on Netflix. And I don't, I'm not enjoying doing either of those things. They're not stimulating me. They're not giving me energy, but I've sort of, in a catch-22 of have I got the energy to go and do anything else but then this thing that I'm now doing isn't giving me any energy either and I just want to spot those moments more and do something more productive whether it is reading a book or doing a puzzle or listening to a podcast but something that I actually consider to be a better quality use of my time that I go to bed and go oh that was time well spent rather than that was time that was just spent (laughs)
1: There are thousands of scientists, you know, engineering how to hack our psychology so that we keep on doing that. So it's very hard to resist as an individual. But um, I I definitely am there and struggle with that in my own ways. What will you realise soon that you already know? And somebody asked me that question before Christmas, and I just thought, that's a really good question. (laughs) I guess it's about trusting your gut somehow. Something is in your subconscious that is kind of bubbling up.
0: Just thinking, where will I be in six months' time? And I will be thinking, books are hard. (laughs) I will explain what that means. But we are in the process of writing our second book. Our first draft has to be in in four weeks. It's really hard. And I know that in six months time, I'll be thinking, I don't ever want to write another book. (laughs) And I say that off the back of my business partner sending me a message today about, our third book having not having not even finished the manuscript for the second book she's already thinking about book number three so I think she thinks books are great and I think books are really hard so we come at it from a slightly different place I think partly because my business partner is very good at focusing at one on one thing so you give her a book to write and she's like amazing that's my vehicle for focus whereas I like doing lots of different things so you give me a book to write and I'm like but it's stopping me doing all these other things that I really want to do so I think yeah in in six months time we will be right towards the end of this editing process we will have been really working hard at it for six months and I will be definitely thinking when will this be over and we could just give it to people so they can read it.
1: So you've obviously done this before is it harder second time round or easier would you say?
0: There are two things that are a bit harder with this book. Our business is bigger, so there are more demands on our time. And then also some of this stuff we are writing and sharing for the first time, whereas The Squiggly Career was really a write-up of sessions that we had delivered to thousands of people. And we'd talked about that stuff and we'd engaged lots of people with it for quite a long time before it went into a book format. A lot of the stuff that's going into You Coach You, which is a book about how you help yourself through a lot of the career challenges that you will have and don't feel that you have to wait for someone else to solve that stuff for you a lot of that is things that we've coached people on and and conversations we've had but we've never put it into a written format before so yeah that makes it a bit a bit harder
1: No, that sounds great. Well, I look forward to reading it when it's finally ready. (laughs) Me me too. (laughs) I I empathise with where you are in the process at the moment. So I guess that links partly to something else I was keen to explore with you, which was so you coach you is obviously about taking responsibility for your own personal development.
0: You will get limited time with your manager or your mentor or whoever it is you are going to for some kind of career support. And if you can go to those conversations and you've already got yourself halfway there, So if you were mentoring me, if I turned up and said, oh, Roland, it's all going wrong uh, at work, I need your help, and I hadn't done any of that thinking, then we're going to spend a lot of the time together just getting me to a point of clarity about what the question is I really should have started the conversation with. Whereas if I've Thought beforehand, and I've had some structured models and things that have helped me to think about you know what am I struggling with at the moment, and what actions could I take, and where might those go wrong, and what questions have I got? And I came to you with those questions, then I'm going to get far more out of the time I've had with you, and you are probably going to come away having mentored me feeling much better about the help you've been able to give me because it's probably been more specific and actionable and so that that's what you coach you is all about it's not about doing it all in isolation and just struggling through this stuff on your own but it is about getting yourself halfway there so that you can make the most of the time that you get with other people that will support you
1: So one thing I'm really seeing, and maybe it's just because I'm looking for it, whether you're working within an organization or whether you're kind of freelance people looking for community to help them learn, help them get stuff done. I'm just kind of curious about the role that kind of communities play around people's careers yeah. in the future. Um, um,
0: so maybe I'll talk about the squiggly career community and then I'll talk about my sort of learning community as well. The squiggly career community, I absolutely love it. It's, like, it's the best thing. And some of that is the way the community connects with us. And some of it is the way that they can connect with each other. So the way that people connect with us as a community is you know, they will send us messages on over email or LinkedIn and they tell us their career stories and how whatever we have shared has helped them. And that is just the nicest, the nicest thing because a lot of what we do, you know, podcasts, it's just me and Sarah talking to each other a lot of the time. So to know that there's sort of a community around it is lovely so i find that really special and then we also find ways to bring that community together so they can help each other so an example of that would be last year we did squiggly career summer school and we got 100 people together for a month and we were delivering some content to them to help them with their career but they were also sharing with each other and you know we have this pod plus community that we do every week and it's a free session that anyone can join and we talk about the topic of the week and then people share articles and experiences and other things that they've found useful and it is again a community of like-minded learners which we benefit from as well i'm really proud of it and i always feel better for having that pod Plus session is like one of the best things that we do every week
1: yeah brilliant and you said that your own kind of personal learning community is, is- structured a little bit differently can you tell me a bit well, about that? I
0: think I'm on a bit my learning journey my career learning journey at the moment is that I carry the official title of CEO of our business having never been a CEO before and so it is not a job I'm familiar with and as our business grows it's one that I really want to grow into I actually find the idea of our business growing and me being the CEO of that business and helping it to grow and scale and all the things that that will entail. I find that really interesting. And so I'm on a bit of a learning journey to connect with a community of people that can help me to grow as a CEO. And it's not a community that I have today. So I'm having to really think intentionally about who could I ask to be my mentor and who might be a peer who is on the same learning journey as me and what networks exist that I could spend time in to learn through consuming, maybe rather than collaborating or connecting. Um, And so I I literally have like a list of things for this year and a list of communities that I'm engaging with. Um, Things like, in case it helps any of your listeners, uh, lunchclub.ai. Are you familiar with that one?
1: Okay. I'm not, actually. Okay, so
0: uh, Lunchclub.ai randomly matches you to people who share a similar interest to you and you have like a one hour conversation if no you've no idea who this person's going to be but they kind of match you and I find those conversations really interesting I've just joined something called Clubhouse a social community where you can join conversations that are of interest to you. So for example, I went onto the clubhouse app last night. There was a conversation about female entrepreneurs and there are people talking. So there's no video and there's no text. There are just people talking and so you listen to the conversation and if you want to ask a question, you come off mute. And you ask the question, and then they answer it in that community. And you can you can join all these rooms where conversation is happening. So
1: it's live. It's not. No, kind of pre-recorded live. At all. Yeah, all yeah. live. Imagine
0: yourself walking hmm. down a corridor of knowledge in an office, and you can pick which rooms you want to go into. So I've joined that to learn a bit as well.
1: As you're now a year or so into this kind of CEO kind of journey, I'm just curious if there are any habits or behaviours that you think you particularly want to learn, or maybe more interestingly, stuff you want to unlearn or need to unlearn as well.
0: There are some probably more things that I need to unlearn. So the need for me to do everything, I think realising that as you grow your business, that's not where your time is best spent, and that somebody else Could do that job better than you, but perhaps not better than you on day one, is a really interesting thing because obviously they've got to get on a learning journey to do it in their own way. And letting go of that is hard, but then that does give you more space to go do some of the bigger impact work. And then somehow I've got to unlearn multitasking. I do recognize it is a bit distracting. So I think not flitting around quite so many. Projects and maybe saying no to some things will probably be quite helpful for me.
1: I think both of those things. So, the multitasking and the delegation. You suffer from the tyranny of competence, <laughs> which was. A, you said something earlier about squiggly careers, that now it's sort of okay to say that you have one <laughs> in a way that perhaps it, it wasn't as okay in the past. And you, you were also talking, I can't quite remember what you called it, but one of your themes in the book is around sort of dealing with uncertainty. I've always felt and I wonder if you agree with this that until relatively recently sort of saying if somebody asks you a question and you say well I don't know the answer to that question especially if it's in broadly your area of competence is seen as a sign of weakness but actually increasingly I think it's important especially if you don't know the answer to the question to actually say you don't know the answer and maybe say I'll go and try and find it or I'll go and talk to somebody else who I think might be able to help somehow saying I don't know is a sign of confidence and strength rather than kind of weakness and uh lack of confidence and so i just wonder whether there's a parallel there with kind of squiggly careers in some way given the massive turbulent year that we're just coming out of and just the you know the uncertainties that we all face in our careers and the world of work i'm just yeah curious if you could say a bit more about your reflections about how you embrace kind of the unknown
0: i think the first thing there is to if we take the stance of it's it's not going to change anytime soon and may get even more uncertain, then actually the thing that we really need to invest in is our resilience. Because if you imagine we've all got a sort of resilience reserves, we've all got a bucket of resilience. And if all we are ever doing is draining that bucket, then at some time, at some point, that uncertainty be really exhausting because we're just taking and taking and taking all of our energy to cope with it all the time and so i think what we really need to do is get better at filling that bucket and building our resilience reserves and recognizing that that is a really important and valuable thing for us to do continually and not like reactively Um, It's just part of how we need to work because uncertainty is part of how we will be working. And so things that help you to build your resilience reserves are are some of the things we've talked about. So active rest, finding a way for you to almost kind of be meditative in a way, a way for you to focus your brain on one thing that you find particularly engaging. So stopping the multitasking, but a way for you to rest your mind but in a very intentional way so it's not aimless scrolling it's not just randomly watching stuff on netflix the best thing that i did this christmas was a puzzle and it was a thousand piece puzzle and i spent about three days on it whenever i got like a spare moment and I couldn't look at my phone. I couldn't do anything else. I was just fixated on fixing this puzzle. But it's those sorts of things. So find your thing. You know, maybe it's running. Maybe it's puzzles. Maybe it's painting. But find find your thing. That's a healthy thing to do. Your world outside of work. Really big part of uh, resilience is making sure that all of your identity and all of your meaning is not just focused on one particular thing. Uh, your support systems, that's another part of your resilience. So, making sure that you have people that you can get support from. That your optimism, uh, like optimism is a skill, it can, it can be learned. There's a Margaret Heton has a great quote you know, optimists aren't idiots, and you can be very intentional about not letting sort of pessimism hold you back and focusing much more on optimism. So that, that would be my first thing, which would be think about how you really build continually your resilience reserves. The second thing I think is how can you treat uncertainty as an opportunity? The thing with uncertainty is it can create things that you can't predict And some of those things can be good. It could be good for you, your development, your career, your business, if you approach it with the right mindset. And so I think about curiosity, exploration and experimentation. If you think about those things. So what does curiosity mean? It means I'm going to ask more questions. I'm going to be more interested in other people's worlds. You know, exploration. I'm going to step outside of my little bubble and talk about some other sectors and some industries and then experimentation I'm just going to try some stuff out I'm going to write a blog post about this thing that I've read or I'm going to try a different habit and see whether it sticks I'm not going to set myself some massive goal that I'm going to feel really demotivated by because I'm just experimenting I'm testing and I'm learning and I think if you can go into an environment that is uncertain with those things, that curiosity, that exploration and that experimentation, I think you go much further towards creating opportunities.
1: Mm, Yeah, I like that. Maybe being conscious about why you're doing things. So yeah, maybe this is an exploration project. Um, This is a way to Flex my curiosity muscle, or however you might express it to yourself. But one of the things I heard you talking about, and I've heard other people talking about this as well, is sort of build your relationships and networks kind of before you really need them. For me, that is part of resilience as well.
0: I think it's something that people find hard. So I'm an extrovert, so I like doing it for the point of connecting with somebody as much as I do for what I can learn from them. So I sort of have a double whammy of, as soon as I talk to someone, I'm like, this is amazing. I'm talking to a person. (laughs) And then I go, oh, I've learned something from them as well. And I appreciate that for introverts, their first reaction is not, this is amazing. It's probably, this is horrendous. And I don't know how to start this conversation. And I think that uh, my advice on that point is to find a point of connection. So I will talk to anybody. I don't need a point of connection. I just like I, just, I like people. as how I get my energy. But if you're an introvert, you might need something a little bit more specific. So maybe there is a book that somebody has read that you have read and enjoyed. Or maybe there's an online event that you've both gone to and you connected and you say, oh, I saw that you were at that event. I'd love to have a chat about how you're taking it into your business, like if you can find that point of connection between two people, I think that that can be a good way into a conversation. If you're an introvert, whereas if you're an extrovert, you might not need that anchor. You just it just person to person is sort of enough.
1: No, I like that. Again, somebody else I spoke to for the podcast, a guy called Valdis Krebs. He's got something where he says connect on your similarities, but benefit from your differences. Oh, I love that. So don't just stay on the book that you both read. Learn from your different experiences that you might be able to learn from each other ultimately as well so i don't know if it's just because we're early in still relatively early in this decade but i've been thinking a lot about kind of big moonshot sort of jfk style you know where do we want to get to by the end of the decade um, over the last 12 months and for me a lot of that is around net zero and kind of the, the climate curious what your kind of big hairy audacious goals are for the decade and you know how might we help
0: i don't have a Nice, neat, BHAG But I have some things that are sort of top of mind for me. If I think, where do I want to be in in ten years' time? So, in ten okay. years' time, I'll be 47. My children will be, you know, 15 and 13. I was trying to imagine myself, so I'll have different parenting challenges to the ones that I have now. And if I then set my business into that context, like what what will that look like? Will scale? So our mission is to make. Careers better for everyone. And so that means, you know, that means it's worldwide, it's all ages, it's all sectors, it's all levels. So scale from where we are now, like more than 10x scale from where we are now. So I was thinking, well, we've got, you know, a million people that listen to the podcast now. Would that be 10 million? And we've got this year, we've trained, you know, in 2020, we trained over 35,000 people. How could we make that 350,000 people? So I think there are those sorts of 10x kind of numbers that are in my mind. But then I also thought about um, relevance to people. So in 10 years time, how do I make sure that what we do and how we do it remains relevant to people? And, And today we reach people through Instagram and podcasts and sessions that we do in person or on Zoom. But we have to make sure that we stay relevant. And I don't know what's going to replace podcasts, but who knows if podcasts are going to be here in 10 years time. And so... I actually get really excited about thinking about how do you scale and stay relevant and also just keep enjoying what you're doing. Like if I think about my business partnership with Sarah, I love working with Sarah. I love the job that I do. I want to be able to keep that enjoyment at the same time as the business scales and I think that that is easier said than done. In my CEO explorations that I've done so far, I've talked to quite a lot of people who started a business that they loved and have ended up with a much bigger business that they manage. I want a big business that I love and I think that 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 is not easy to do. And so I think in 10 years time if I'm still you know, running a larger business than I currently run today that helps make careers better for everyone remains relevant and that I love doing, I will feel very happy with where life has got to.
1: Thank you, Helen. I really enjoyed that conversation and believe she really is an entrepreneur based on that final section of the conversation, even if she doesn't necessarily identify with that word. I was also struck by what she said about going into an uncertain environment with curiosity, exploration and experimentation. That way you can go a lot further towards creating opportunities for yourself and for others. I hope you enjoyed listening too. To find out more about Helen, then I'll share a few links in the episode description. To find out more about Liminal or to join our community, please visit www www.weareliminal.co. Before I go, please can I ask that you like and subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who you think might enjoy it as well. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, please keep on connecting people and ideas. If you do, you never know what might happen. Thank you and goodbye.